promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Holy Gospel for this 19th Sunday after Trinity comes from St. Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, O Lord. And after getting into a boat, he crossed the water and came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. What is a sin? Come on, you all have that list. This is audience participation. What's a sin? What? Missing the mark. Okay, I was looking for more like specific things, not like some grand umbrella. Okay, come on. You all have your list. Let's go. Murder. Murder. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, it's not a good one, but. (laughs) Stealing. Okay. Lying. Jealousy. Idols. That's a big one. Idols. Vanity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we know the second table of the law pretty well. I was hoping for a little bit more creativity, you know, like cutting someone off in traffic or something like that. But we all have have that list, right? Those things that we're not supposed to do. I call it the not-to-do list, right? This whole list of sins, these things that, okay, I'm going to avoid these things. If I avoid these things, I don't end up in the police blotter and everything's okay, right? Grandma will love me if I avoid these things. And usually that translates into, God will love me if I avoid these things. So what do we turn our lives into? Trying to avoid these things. Or we make another list, right, of all the holy things. Because we think, unholy, holy. So if I just do these things, like go to church, feed the homeless, pet a cat, pick something. If I do these things... Then number one, I'll avoid these things, and then life will be good, right? We're we're good at saying, if we talk about sin, little s sin, we like to talk about it as actions, right? Things that we do or don't do. We confess that as part of our our confession and absolution, right? The things I've done and left undone, right? Sins of omission and sins of commission. We like those those actions. And and then when it comes to sin, we have the, the 
not to-do list, and then we have the Jesus Holy list, which is sort of like the record, right? Like Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs this year, right? Even though the Yankees aren't going to make it to the World Series. Woo! Spend $3 trillion and not make it. Yes. Um, but we, you know, he had a record to break for the American League record. I personally think he's the home run leader in part because he went to Fresno State, but also because the Royd boys, you know, asterisks, all that stuff. Right, Pastor Chris? Yes, yeah. Um, so, so then we have these things that we look at for records, right? Things that we're going to, to, to maybe even do better, maybe outdo one another in how well we do them. These actions, right? Well, the problem is, is that we, we actually miss the mark when it comes to sin, when we have these, these two things, when we, we talk about them as actions. Number one, we assume that our sin does not have historical consequences. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. Today, right now, today is the 20th anniversary of the Moscow theater hostage crisis. Does anybody remember that? 20 years ago, 50-some-odd rebels from Chechnya stormed a theater in Moscow. They were, people were there for a performance, took them hostage. After, like, two and a half days, the army and the, and the police pumped a bunch of gas into the theater, stormed it, were able to take out the hostages. Unfortunately, also, from what we understand, the gas also killed 120 hostages. They killed the rebels. All that stuff, right? Well, don't you possibly think that what happened with that, because it's a historical reality, right? 20th anniversary, 20 years on, there are families in Moscow that are remembering a father, a brother, a sister, a child that died, plus those that survived. Were they impacted by the sins of what happened in that space? Did it change the way that their life turned out? See, we assume that we go through life, and if I just avoid this, this list, and maybe if I do a couple of these things, that's okay. I'm going to do better next time that what we committed down through our history does not affect us or affect someone else in a positive or negative way. Many of you in this room have familial sins, right? Traumas that have happened in your life, whether it be from your parents, grandparents, spouses, siblings, whatever, that have carried on and have made you who you are to where maybe you have issues with authority. Maybe you have issues with trust. Maybe you have issues with loving one another because of what's happened in the past. One of those problems is the fact that we assume that sin is something that, oh, if we just avoid this list, we're good. But the problem is, is that sin carries this historical reality with it, doesn't it? It happened. There's nothing you can do about it. That's one problem. The second problem is is that we assume that those sins are the cause. But the sins are actually just the symptoms of something else, right? Doesn't Paul tell us we are dead in trespasses and sins? That we are actually by nature children of wrath before Jesus, of course, before baptism, before being made into children of God? That it is that we actually have this sinful nature, this part of us that does things that we're not supposed to do or that we think we're not going to do, but we do them anyways. It's part of the reason why Jesus comes to us and he talks about the good and bad trees. Do you remember that story? Where he says, good fruit can't come from bad trees and bad fruit can't come from good trees. So what I've come to do is I've come to turn all the bad trees into good trees. 
And then he also talks about wineskins, right? Where he says, well, you can't take new wine that hasn't fermented and all this stuff the way become really good wine. It's kind of bad wine when it's new wine. It's got to become good wine, which means it's got to ferment and it's got to set off all these gases. You don't want to put them in old wineskins because what's going to happen to the wineskin? It's going to burst, right? So you have to put it in new wineskins. He's saying, I've come to get rid of your old wineskin and give you a new one. You can't do that on your own. I've come to give that to you. Now, to give you just a, one other example from life that maybe some of you haven't thought about, uh, a couple of weeks ago, my family and I went to Disneyland. If you want to understand the sinfulness of humanity, just go to Disneyland or anywhere else. Um, but we get there, you know, and it's about 20 minutes before rope drop, and maybe majority of you have done this, and there's a huge crowd gathered, right, waiting for the rope to drop to be able to run, sprint to your ride, right? What do we do as a family? Working our way through as best we can. My son's holding on to my shirt while I'm, you know, we're weaving our way through. Because never mind the fact that there's people there that have probably been waiting way longer than we have. I'm sitting here going, weaving my way through, and what am I doing subconsciously or consciously? My time is more important than your time. Hmm? I, my 15 seconds that I get to that ride before you is more important right? Or uh, the amount of people that I saw cutting in line to get on the rides. Because you know you do the little thing like this, and they're stepping over the barriers because they want to get there 30 seconds earlier. Never mind that if they get caught, they get thrown out. Or, or the dude that or we're standing in line to get into California Adventure, and I'm on my phone getting our tickets brought up and everything so they can scan our tickets. And I look up, and here suddenly there's a guy who wasn't there before standing in front of me. And he dares to say, oh, no, I've been here the whole time. Right? The, the sinfulness of us is not necessarily the fact that we're doing all these, these second table of the law sins. The sinfulness of us is that we're selfish. We're self-centered. We only care about ourselves. Just driving traffic in L.A., and that's proof of the sinfulness of humanity. We think it has to be murder, that, you know, that's sinful. Well, it is. But our sinfulness is the fact that we have been turned in on ourselves. We only see ourselves. We only want what it is for ourselves. Because, in part, we're afraid to die, so we're going to take out anybody we can to make sure we can live longer. But also because we're the only person we see in our lives. So it's, it's important, then, that when the angel comes to Joseph in a dream in Matthew chapter 1, and in verse 21 says, you're going to call his name Jesus, Yeshua, which means God saves, because he's going to save his people from their sin. From their sin. Why? Because our sinfulness is going to kill us and harm other people, right? And so it is then this morning when we hear our gospel and we hear Jesus say, your sins are forgiven. That should be the sweetest word you have ever heard. It should be the only word that you want to hear. Your sin is forgiven you. Because it's there that Jesus tears up the list. It's there that he goes through your history, through your past with an eraser. It's there that he frees you from your fear. He frees you from your shame. He also frees you from your anger 
and you're seeking for vengeance and retribution for sins committed against you. Because how many of us are carrying that with us? Anger about things that have happened to us that keep us bottled up inside and imprisoned and paralyzed because of that. Well, three things to notice from our our gospel reading this morning in which Christ offers up to us forgiveness. The first one is urgency. Urgency. They bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. They bring him. He can't come on his own, correct? Somebody has to pick him up and bring him. Church, do you have somebody to bring you to Jesus? And I'm not talking about because you need to be converted. You need to be saved. Have you found Jesus? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every single day of your life. Do you have somebody in your life to preach to you Jesus? The forgiveness of all your sins, the grace and mercy found in him alone. Because you need it, church. Because every day you go out there and the world tells you something else. That it should be that you come in here, and as Norman Nagel says, you should leave here going, wow, you can't hear that anywhere else. There's no one else you can hear that from. I like the, the Mark 2 parallel passage of this. This is Matthew 9. I like the Mark 2 one because that's the one where we get this story, but they rip the roof off the house, and they lower the guy down to Jesus. Talk about urgency. There was something that they needed to get taken care of. We don't know anything about this man. This paralyzed man. We know nothing about him. Was he paralyzed from birth? I don't know. If, if he was, or if it was even caused by an accident in that day and age to have this happen to him, the assumption would be like karma. Well, he was a bad man. God is punishing him. But we don't know how he got injured. We don't know anything about it, but there was some urgency there for his friends to bring him to Jesus. It says that Jesus saw their faith, that they trusted that Jesus was able to do something. Church, do you trust that Christ is doing something for you? In his cross, in his word of forgiveness. And I'm not talking about an urgency of escaping hell. You don't come to Jesus for insurance. He's not a very good insurance salesman. Okay? This isn't fire insurance. This is about your conscience. This is about making a new you out of the old you. This is about putting the old you to death and raising the new you up. Second thing that we see, first urgency, second is the audacity of what he has to say. Like I said, we don't know anything about this man. What were his sins? What kind of life did he have? Was he a good man? Was he a bad man? We don't know. Does Jesus care? What does he say to him? Son, your sins are forgiven. Where was the repentance? Did this man come groveling, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry, please heal me? No. Christ looks at him and just says, son, your sins are forgiven. Romans 2.4, don't you know that the kindness of God brings you to repentance? The working of the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is giving it out freely. He didn't wait for the man to do some big act of repentance. He didn't wait for the man to, to, to beg Jesus to do this. He didn't wait for the man to get his life right. Instead, he just speaks the word of mercy to him. Because see, when we, when we place repentance, feeling really, really sorry 
getting our life right ahead of what it is that Jesus does for us, we make the assumption, just like everything else in our life, that Jesus can be bought. Oh, I felt really, really sorry this morning, Jesus. You have to forgive me. No. Jesus comes to us and says, before you get your life right, you're forgiven. That's how you make your life right. I forgive you. You don't do it. I do it. If it comes down to you avoiding this list, you're thinking you can barter with me. There's no barter in the kingdom of God. It's just Jesus offering this freely. Here in the the Matthew 9 text, the the scribes say he's blaspheming. In In Mark 2, it gets expanded a little bit because they say no one can do this except for God alone. Why? Because of the word that he uses, afiemi in Greek, which can mean forgive, it can mean remit, but it actually means to take away, that they're gone, that they don't belong to you anymore. It's not that they're sitting there in the ether and your sin is just waiting for a time to break through the ground again. No, Jesus comes and he takes it away. And that's why they say, well, God, only God can do that. Why? Because God stands over history. God stands over our past. God stands over all the things that we have done, and he's the one who goes back and goes, I'm going to take this one and this one and this one and this one. All of them. All of them are going to be mine. Then also there's the audacity, because imagine you're the guys carrying this dude to Jesus. What's the first thing he does? Son, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, Jesus, do you see he's paralyzed? We kind of came here for a reason. You know, he wants to be able to walk. But you're, what? And then Jesus heals him later. But the audacity of it is that he, God comes to you in your paralyzed fear, in, in your sinfulness, in your sinful heart, in your self-centeredness, and he says, I forgive you before everything else is made right in your life. Well, urgency and audacity, and then we have finality of it. Verse 6, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then what does he do? He says, pick up your mat and go home. He attaches a miracle, not for the sake of a miracle, but to say, so that you might know that what I speak to you is true. Son, take up your mat and go home. He doesn't do the miracle to be jazz hands Jesus and say, look at me. He does the miracle so that it's attached to what it, the promise that he's already given of your sins are forgiven you. So this young man, however old he is, is almost like a walking sacrament. Every time they would see him, they'd go, oh, there is this Jesus who forgives sins. And the only reason I know is because this man is walking now. Forgiveness of sins there in that finality. This, this, this man had an old life and now he has a new life. He was basically dead and now he's raised up. That's the, that's the joy of being a resurrection people. Because it is that the cross is where our sin nailed Jesus. You read the story of Christ on the cross. What's one of the last things he says? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Did any of the people who nailed him to the cross have a chance to repent there? No. Jesus, even in his dying breath, forgives and says it is finished. And then we bury him. 
thinking, we killed God, no more free forgiveness. Now we can hold on to our retribution and everyone walking around having to give a pound of flesh for everything to try and make the world right. And we're going to have control over everybody to make sure that we can grow this utopia and have this wonderful world full of unicorns and puppy dogs and, and bubbles and all those things. But what happens? What does Jesus do? He rises to basically be able to say, yeah, no, I'm still in charge. What I said is true. Forgiveness is real. And if you want to believe me, just look for my body. It's not there. So church, this morning, Christ speaks to you two things. One, he says, your sins are forgiven you. In the mercy of Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ was given for you to die for your sins. And he forgives you all of them past, present, and future. And so it is then, too, that every Sunday, you should hear somewhere, even if it is in your subconscious, the word of Christ saying, take up your mat and come home. Come to me. Receive that which you need, the forgiveness of all your sins. New life in me. Be raised up, church. Be handed what it is that Christ wishes to give you freely a forgotten past and a new future in him. Thanks be to God. Amen.